We begin today the Gemara on the bottom of Daf Nun Dalar Amid Beis, the last uh, two lines. Shol Rab Ben Ogil. So the Gemara here brought the Psukim that it says regarding uh, not allowing your animals to work on Shabbos. So there's a difference in the Lashon of the Dibre Sarishainis and the Dibre Sachrainis. In the Dibre Sarishainis it says Behemtucha. Uh, and then uh, in the Dibre Sachrainis it says Shaycha Vechamarcha Vechol Behemtucha. In the Gemara Darshan, the reason for this difference. So in continuation with this, the Gemara brings. Another thing that was said about the difference between the Lashon in the first Dibris and in the second Dibris. ben Ogol why is it that In the Dibris Arishaynes, in Parshas Yisrael, in the first Dibris, it does not say the word Toiv. This is uh, by the, when it says there, the, 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 the Mitzvah of Kibbut Aim. So it says, Laman Yerichen Yomecha. But it doesn't say also the lotion of Toiv that you'll have good life. It just says Laman you'll have long, long life. But but then in the Dibris Achrainis over there it adds Nemebem Toiv. Over there, as Rashi brings, it says Laman Yitavloch. Not only Laman Yerichniyamecha, but it says Laman Yitavloch that it'll be good for you. Why is it adding this over here in the second Dibris? Oh my Lord, so he answered him to this question. You're asking me why in the second Dibris does it say Taiv and not in the first? So he says, Shalani, you should really ask me if this fact is really true. true. Does it say Taiv Dafke in the second of the Aseris Dibris? Im Lav, or maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure if it says Taiv in the second, uh, second Aseris Dibris or not. You should go to Rabtancham Bachaniloi. Levi, and he was commonly learning by Rabbi Shua Ben Levi. and he was he was proficient in the Agade and Darshaning the Psukim of the Teira, and he'll be able to tell you whether it says Tayv in the second Aseres Adibris, and he could tell you what it means. So this answer that he's giving him is very hard to understand. Why is he doubting whether it says Laman Yitavloch in the second Aseris Adibris? Every child could open up a Chumash and sees that it does say Laman Yitavloch in the second Aseris Adibris. So one of the Pshatim that the Mufashim over here say is that, yeah, if you look in the Chumash, you'll see that the first time it doesn't say Taiv and the second time it says Taiv. But his suffix was that maybe, even though in the Torah, that's the way it's written, but maybe when the Ebesh said, actually, the Aseris Adibris is the first time, or maybe when the actual tablets, the Luchais, the Aseris Adibris was written the first time, maybe there it did say Laman Yitavlach, and maybe in the second set of Luchais, it wasn't engraved the words Laman Yitavlach, even if in the Chumash it only says Laman Yitavlach the second time, and not the first time, but what the Mitzis was regarding the actual Luchais, we can't be sure about that. That's what he was questioning him. That's one of the pshatim that it says here in the En Yaakov, or in the, the Rif over there in the En Yaakov. So the, the Gemara says he went to him, he went to Rabbi Shua ben Levi and asked him this shaila about the toiv that it says in the second Aseris Adibris. And he explained them as follows. Or he actually went to Rabbi Tanchem Bar Chaniloi to ask him about this. So he says from Rabbi Shua ben Levi himself, I didn't hear the reason for this distinction, but Elakach Amali Shmuel Bar Nochem. Shmuel Bar Nochem explained this to me, and who was he? Achi Imoy Shorav Ache Berabchanine, either the uncle of Rav Ache Berabchanine, Vamrila, others say Avi Imoy Shorav Achi Berabchanine. He was the uncle of Rav Achi Berabchanine. What was the explanation? Hoyel Vesayfon Lishtaber. 
since the first set of luchais, the Ebesh Tunu, is going to be broken, so therefore, the Ebesh didn't write in it, Lamanya Yitavlach. So the Gemara explains, so what? Just because it's going to be broken, why, did the, why doesn't it say in it, Lamanya Yitavlach? So the Gemara answers, Amar Ravashi, Ravashi says, because then, Chas V'Shalem, God forbid, this would cause the goodness that's written in it and is now broken, so the goodness of the Ebesh would be stopped from the Yidin. So that's uh, the reason why the Ebesha didn't write in it, or didn't say and didn't write in it, Laman Yitavloch. In the first one, right. But the second one, which was never broken, it says over there, Laman Yitavloch. Yeah. There is one of the Mepharshim that added, I think it's the Titus Chaim. So he adds there and he says, So what's with the Laman Yerichun Yamecha? Which it does say in the first Luchais, and then it got broken. So he says, Yeah, Nechanami, what, what does Laman Yerichun Yamecha mean? It means you'll have long years, we're in Eretz Yisrael, on the land. And if it wouldn't have gotten broken, the Yidin would have entered in Eretz Yisrael and there would have never been a Golos. They would have never been expelled from Eretz Yisrael. Mm. Because it got broken, so therefore, the Laman Yerich and Yemecha in Eretz Yisrael was takanat fulfilled. Amar Rabbi Yeshua, another thing Rabbi Yeshua said, others are said that this is Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, this was mentioned before. He was the one that was uh, that Baki and Agoda. tes If you see the letter tes in a dream, simen it's a good sign. My timer. So the Gemara explains what's the good sign with the letter test. If you're going to say the reason is because the the word test or the letter test is used for the word taiv, so it means good, as we just mentioned. But the word test or the letter test could also be in a word which is negative. Why shouldn't I say This is talking about David that's going to revenge. Bavel that came and destroyed the first base of Mikdash, it says, I'm going to sweep them out with a broom, I'm going to destroy them. So the word Teteisiyah has in it two tests, actually. And it means in the negative. And so maybe the test that you see in a dream refers to that. It says, I don't know, chat test comedy none. We're talking about a person that sees one test. And over here, Teteisiyah has two tests in it. So therefore, it's not referring to that. But still, the Gemara says, the letter test, maybe I should say, Tumasa b'shuleha. Its Tumah is at its bottom, or it's, it's, it's Tumah, this is referring actually to the Tumah that there was by Yidin, which everyone can see. So the word, the, the, the letter test is in the word Tumah. That, that's not a negative word. So the Gemara says, you're right, so test base comes on. When we said that it's a good sign, that's if a person sees in his dream, not only the letter test, but he sees the test and a base, both. But the Gemara still asks him that. But Eme, even the two letters of test and base, I, should, I could still say, that in the ground, the 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 gates of Yerushalayim are sunk into the ground. So instead of the two letters test bays meaning toiv, maybe it means The Mashari adds an interesting pshat. He says the, the two letters of tav, of test and bays actually spells out tav, which means good. So that, that mamish is a word of toiv. Why should I say it goes on this pasuk of tav So the Mashari says. Tava Barat Sharel is a Pasik and Eicha, capital base, Pasik test. So maybe when you saw the test and the base, it's hinting to Pasik test in capital base of Eicha, where it says this Pasik. So Ella, the Gemara goes back to what it said originally. We're not talking about a person that saw in his dream a test and a base, he only saw a test. Ella, Hoyolo Pasik Bayakasuf Lutaiva, since the Pasik. The letter test in the Torah, the very first time the letter test is mentioned, it's mentioned for the good. Again, Pasach by Akasuv Letoiva Tchila 
Where do we see this? Because from the Pasuk Bereshis, Ad, Vayara Lekim Esa'er, until the Pasuk where it says, Vayara Lekim Esa'er, and then it says, Kitoiv, Loiksiv Tes. Until this Pasuk, it does not say the letter Tes, so this is the fourth Pasuk in Chumash, until there, it doesn't say the letter Tes. So the first time the letter Tes appears in the Teireh is in the word Toiv, so therefore, if you see the Tes in the dream, that it refers to this letter Tes. Amar Rabbi Shuban Levi, Another thing Rabbi Shulam said about a dream, Haraya Hespid A person sees Hespid in his dream. So this means he saw the word Hespid. So what this means is, that the Hashem had mercy upon him, Upaduhu, and he was redeemed. The He and the Ches are interchangeable letters. So therefore, the, it's, it's, it could be read as Chos and, and Pod, which is Paduhu, that Abisha had Rahmanis on him and redeemed him. But says, This is if he sees the writing of the word. Hespid. But if he sees an actual Hespid, which means he sees an actual eulogy, then it's not uh, a good sign. If he sees the word Hespid, so then it's a good sign that the Ebrister saved him. Going back to what it said in the Mishnah, that the Mishnah listed a bunch of different halachas and said that it applies not only to Bahamas or Shavichamayr, it applies to any kind of Chayas and even to birds. And one of the things that the Mishnah mentioned was the halacha of Klein. That a client, which uh, includes crossbreeding or also an, a, a different animals that work together in a field. So this is not only animals, but it refers to chayis and to oifis as well. Based on our Mishnah, we see that Tarnagal, Tavus, Upisyaini, these three different uh, things, a Tarnagal, a chicken and a Tavus, what are they translated there? A peacock and a Pisyaini, which is a partridge. A partridge. These uh, three uh, oifis, so they're kalayim with one another. You're not allowed to uh, crossbreed them. Okay, so the Gemara asks on this pshita. Yeah, it's, it's obvious that you learn this from our Mishnah, as the Gemara just said, I mean, as the Mishnah clearly says, the chayev oiv, the halach of kalayim applies to the birds as well. Rav Chaviva, so Rav Chaviva explains what the Chiddushir is. They grow, they are raised together. So you can think that they're from the same species. So it's one, one min. That's what Ishlokish was saying. No, they're not from the same mm-hmm. Min. So Taisus over here spells out this Chiddush you don't actually see from the Mishnah. It's interesting. The Gemara says, Khan Shona Rebbe. This is where Rebbe said this. What it means to say is, Rebbe said the concept that the Isra of Kalayim applies to birds. And then we learn out from that that these three, even though they seem to be from the same Min, but nevertheless they're not. They're, they're different Min that grow together. Oma Shmuel, so now in connection to this, Shmuel says, another example over here where you have two minim that seem to be the same, but they're not. Avaz va'avaz abar, the goose and the wild goose. Kalaim zebezeb. Even though they're similar, but they're not the same min, they're kalaim. Maskeflo Ravabarafchanon asks about this. Why do we consider them to be two different species? My timer. It's because one of them has a long beak. And the other one has a small beak. So that's the only difference between them, a short beak. If so, should we say that the same kind of a difference applies to another animal? Gamla Parsa, the Persian camel, the Kamla Taya, an Arabian camel. The high Olim Kue, one of them, the neck is thick, the high cotton Kue, and the other one, the neck is thin. So should we say, even though they're both camels, but you're not allowed to crossbreed them, it's considered to be climb? 
The Gemara doesn't accept that. It's clear that they're both camels and they're the same in. So just because there's a little detail of a difference in the body of the of that camel in this case, or in the goose, by, by the wild goose and the regular goose, the domesticated goose, it shouldn't be enough of a reason that it should be a different uh, min. <coughs> so Elam Abaye, Abaye says the difference is, diff- is something else. And this is considered to be something that shows that it's a different min. That one of them, by the, by the goose, so the baits of the testicles are on the outside, and the other one, it's on the inside. So that difference is something that shows that it's a different min. Or another reason, the Gemara says, Rav Papa, Rav Papa said, one of them, so when it uh, lays an egg or when it produces an egg, it, it's one at a time. And the other one, it, uh, it, it lays a few eggs at a time together. So you see that Pasha has a different nature of how it functions, so that shows that it's a different min. Amr Rabbi Yirmiya, Amr Ishlakish. Rabbi Yirmiya said in the name of Ishlakish regarding this Isra of Kalayim and other things. Hamar Biya Shnei Minim Shibiyam. Like uh, the, the Isra of Kalayim, the crossbreeding, refers not only to Behemis, Chayis, Oifis, but even regarding fish. My time. Eh? Where do we see this? That uh, the Isra of Loisar Biya Kalayim refers even to fish. Amr Avada Barave Mishmei Deule, because we learn out, Zereshava Asya, Lemineu, Lemineu, Miyabosha. Because it says Lemineu in, in, in Pashas Bereshis, by the time of creation. It says the term Lemineu by the Chayas or Oifis. And it says the term Lemineu by the fish. So that just like by the Chayas and Behemis and Oifis, there's the Halacha of Kalayim. So the same Halacha of Kalayim re- applies also to the fish that each one should be kept to its species. Based on this, Rachba asks the following Shiloh. Hamanig be'iza vishibuta. A person that's driving a wagon, who's drawing the wagon? There's a goat and there's a fish that's pulling this wagon. Okay, you got to be very, very talented to be able to get that done. But this is what was done over here. A goat and a fish is pulling the wagon. So mahu, what's going to be the halach in such a case? Is this an issue of kalayim? So the halach of kalayim, as we saw before, is not only the crossbreeding, but also pulling a wagon together. Two different minim, a shayr and a chamoyr, or any two minim. So over here, since we said that the fish, there's also a sort of kalayim. So should there be a problem if there's a iza, a goat and a fish that are pulling a wagon? Should I say, even the iza lenaches biyam? Since the goat is not going into the water, and the fish that's pulling this wagon right at the shore, apparently, so it's not coming out from the water. So they're in two different locations, and even though they're both pulling, but they're pulling in completely different places, so it's, it's not Kalayim. Or however, no, this is still Kalayim. The fact is that this one wagon is being pulled by two different minim, each in its place, but they're both pulling this one wagon, so maybe it is Kalayim. So the Gemara, this, is, this was the Shaila that Rachba asks. Maskef la Ravina. Ravina didn't like the whole Shaila. Ravina asks on this. Elamayata, based on your Shaila, so maybe you would ask the following Shaila. A person in his hands holds together the kernels of wheat and of barley. And then he goes and plants them. And but Vizara Chita Baaretz. He plants the, the wheat in, in, in the ground in Eretz Yisrael. And then the barley he plants, he plants it outside of Eretz Yisrael. In other words, he plants right on the border over there. So Rashi here brings that the Isr of Kelayim is only in Eretz Yisrael. Because the rule is any, any uh, halachas, any mitzvahs that are pleased, that are in the mitzvahs regarding the, the ground, is only in Eretz Yisrael. So he's right at the border of Eretz Yisrael. 
He has chitim and seidim in his hands, but the chitim he puts into the ground in Eretz Yisrael, and the seidim he puts into the ground outside of Eretz Yisrael. Two different places, one where it's chayiv and one where it's potter. So, so too you would say that you should be chayiv for planting them so close to each other. Obviously, you would be potter because here this is in Eretz Yisrael and this is out of Eretz Yisrael. So Ravina was asking, it should be obvious to you similarly that when the fish is in the water and the, and the goat is on the dry land and they're both pulling, pulling this one wagon, that it's in two complete different locations. Not even One is not even able to go into the other location, that it shouldn't be an issue of climb. But the Gemara says, Omri, they said that this question of Ravina is not a question. It's not the same like the Shailah of Rochbeh. How could you compare the example he gave to the Shailah of Rochbeh? Hasam Eretz Makim Chiyuve Eretz Yisrael is a place where there's the Chiyuv, there's the Isra of Klaim and Atayde Chutzal Eretz LeMakim Chiyuve the barley that you planted outside of Eretz Yisrael that's in a place where there is no Chiyuv at all of Klaim. So over there you can't be Mechayev for Klaim if part of the Klaim was planted outside of Eretz Yisrael. But Hacha Idivi Idi Chiyuve over here we just said before that the Isra of Klaim applies to animals, to chayis, oifis, and also to dogim. So the, the, the water is also a place where the chiv of climb applies. So over here, the shailah still remains. Maybe if one is on the gra- gra- dry land and one is in the water and they're pulling together, maybe the isr of climb should apply. That was the shailah of rachba, which the Gemara does not answer. Hadran alach shoyer shenogach We shall return to you, peirik shoyer shenogach the fifth peirik of Mesechta Baba Kama. Okay, we begin the sixth Patek of Masechta Babakameh. This is actually the last Patek of the Masechta, which discusses the subject of the Masechta that we're learning until now, which is Niske Moment, the various different uh, types of damages that can happen. Next, the, the program afterwards are going to discuss the halachas of Geneva and Gzela and so on. Mm-hmm. A person brings his sheep into the barn. And he locked the door of the barn in front of the sheep. Karoi, properly. And then, but nevertheless, the Yotza, the Zika, it went out and it went and damaged someone. Potter. So the owner that locked the door of the barn will be potter for this, because what else could he do? It's an oinus. If he didn't lock the door properly, the Yotza, the Zika, and it went out, it was Mazik someone, son Chayef. Then you Chayef, because he didn't lock it properly. Mara will explain what it means properly. Now, Nifritz of if this door was breached in the middle of the night, and you have no idea. Or bandits came and breached the door, and the Yatsavizika, and the animals went out and damaged someone, so Potter. You also Potter for this, because again, obviously, it's something which is an anus, there's nothing you can do about this. And in this case, actually, the listim that breached the door are also going to be Potter, because they didn't actually do the damage over here. They didn't take out the animals. They just opened the door and the animals went out. So that's just a grammar. They're just causing this to happen. However, Hoitsiyua list. If this animal with an oinus, as Rashi here says, fell down into a garden, and bananas, when it fell down to this garden, the animal had a knob because it didn't fall on a hard rock of a place. It fell onto a nice patch of uh, tomatoes and therefore it, uh, it patted it and it didn't get hurt. So you pay not for the actual damage, the value of the damage of the tomatoes or whatever it may be, but you pay for the hana that it had. How much would you be ready to pay for this kind of hana? That's what we evaluate, and that's what you pay. But not the actual hazik, because it was an oinus. 
However, if your animal is going off the path and it's going into someone's property, the way it uh, usually strays off, an uh, animal goes, and this is something that's your negligence, you can watch it. And then it damages and it eats in someone's property. That's when you pay what it damaged. This is the halach of Shein Verega, when it goes into someone's property. Now, when you pay this damage of Shein Verega, when it eats in someone's property, how do you evaluate this damage? How do you pay the damage that it causes? You don't evaluate just that one area where it ate and the damage that it caused just here. Because if you can evaluate just that area itself, the value of the damage is going to be high. And you're evaluating it this itself. What are you going to evaluate? How much this itself could be sold to someone when it has the vegetables there or now that it's destroyed? But you, no, you evaluate a bigger area. You evaluate an area of a base saw. And in that base, oh, there is this one little area that was eaten. How much does the value of the entire massive area get decreased by this one little area that was eaten here? So then the value of the damage is going to be much less. So Rashi says, this is learned from the Pasuk, that he do, when he goes and eats bizdeyach, you evaluate the entire soda, the entire property. You don't just evaluate this one little area that it ate. The Gemara is going to explain more details about this. But Rav Shimon argues in this and says, it depends. If the animal came and ate ripe fruits, then Then you evaluate those ripe fruits themselves, what their value is, how much they are sold. You don't evaluate in relation to the entire big field here. If it ate a sa'ah of Pedis, that's what you evaluate. If it ate sasayim, that's what you evaluate. The only time that you evaluate a big property and you look at the little area that it ate, is if it ate the fruits that are not ripe. But otherwise, you evaluate the area that it ate, that's what you pay. So we learned to explain what the Mishnah means when it says that you locked the door properly, you didn't lock the door properly. What does it mean that you locked the door properly? And what does it mean that you didn't lock the door of the barn properly? So it says the if the door was locked, that it could withstand a regular wind, that's properly. But if it cannot withstand a regular wind, that's locking the door, not properly. So now, here the Gemara says that the halacha of our Mishnah, not everybody agrees to this. If you remember, we learned about this before, locking a door of a barn, even properly, is what's called a shmira pachusa. That's the basic guarding of an animal. The fact that uh, the door could still swing open with an unusual wind, with a stormy wind, so maybe you have to lock it even better. Uh, that's what's called a shmira mu'ula, that it should withstand even a ruach she'enim So our mission that says that it's enough to lock the door for a ruach that's metsuya, uh, just for the basic shmira p'chusa, who's the hala, who's the tana of our mishnah? Omer of Mani Bar Patish, Mani Bar Patish says, Man Tana, who is the Tana of our mission that says that a muid, when an animal is a muid, that it's even enough to just do a basic shmira. So our mission is talking about an animal which is a muid. Why? Because it's talking about a tzayn. It's talking about sheep. It's not talking about an ox that has the, the, the keren that gores with horns. And over there, the first three times it gores, it's a tam. We're talking about a very that sheep that go out and eat. So when they eat, they're right in the, the first time. This is its normal behavior that it goes and eats, and therefore it's a muid from the beginning. And the Mishnah is saying that the basic closing of the barn, the, the door of the barn, is enough. Who's the town of the Mishnah? Says the Gemara Rabbi Yehudahi, this is Rabbi Yehudah we had earlier in the Masechta. 
If not, we learn the mission of Yudha says, Kosher Bailavumiseira, the owner of the animal tied it with its uh, leash or venal of karoi. Or you just lock the door properly, as we just described here, karoi, that it could withstand a regular wind. And the yachts of it went out and it damaged. Whether it's a tam, whether it's a muid, so this is talking about an ox. Either way, chayiv, you're going to be chayiv, even though you guarded it. But this is just the basic shmira. It's not enough. You have to do a shmira maula. You have to do a much better shmira in Divrei Rab Meir. So we see over here, Rab Meir clearly says that by whether a tam, whether a muid, the basic shmira is not good enough. You have to do a much better shmira. Rab however, Rab Yudah says, tam chayiv. For a tam, if you just did the basic shmira, you'll be chayiv. Mu'ed, potter. But by a mu'ed, the Torah is not mechaib you to pay Nezdek Shalem if you did the basic Shemirah. Shenema, because by the, by the mu'ed it says, V'lo yishmerenu ba'alav, that the owner did not guard it. And once you do the basic Shemirah, so it's guarded, so then you're going to be potter to pay Nezdek Shalem. Okay, we discussed it then over here. It's a very interesting thing that it comes out that a mu'ed has to do a less of a Shemirah than the Shemirah mu'ula that there has to be by a tam. Rishayim discussed this. We discussed this already before on Daf Memhei. A third opinion about this, when it comes to a muid, because we know that it's going to go out and damage, so the only way to guard it is by shechting it. There's no, there's no kind of a guarding that's adequate enough. Because okay, so you see here, our mission that says that the basic shmir is enough for a, for a muid is Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. But the Gemara says, no, I can argue and say that Rabbi would agree to the halacha of our Mishnah. Rab Meir was speaking about the shir, an ox, with the keren. Over there, Rab Meir said that whether it's a tam, whether it's a muad, you need to do a shmir mola. Our Mishnah is talking about sheep that are eating. It's a different thing. Shani shein v'regel, because over here, when it comes to shein and regel, the hatayre miyatab b'shmirasam. We see in the, in the Pasuk clearly that the tayre minimizes the requirement of its shmir. And here, even Rab Meir will agree that this is not the shir, the shir tam and muad where over there, by the time we require the highest level of Shemitah. Over here, by Shein Viregel, which is what Tzayn do, they eat, this, the Torah says, it's a minimal Shemitah, the basic Shemitah is good enough. The Gemara brings the source for this. There are four different kinds of sources of damage. That the Torah minimized the requirement of guarding it. By the pit, a fire, or shame, the regal, the animal goes out and eats or tramples. In these cases, you have to do the basic shmira. By the pit, you dug a bear, you uncovered a bear, and you didn't cover it back. So what is the Torah saying? As long as you cover the bear, that's good enough. Meaning the Torah is not requiring you to go and fill in the bear again. You just have to cover it. And we learned before in the Masechta that when you cover a bear, over time, that cover could uh, somehow could get, go off, or hislia, it can get wormy inside. But it's good enough, you don't even have to check it afterwards. So we see here that the Taita said that the basic uh, shmira of covering the bite is good enough. Eish, by fire, the Pasuk says, Shalom Yishalem Hamavir Esabeira. You have to pay the one that lit this fire. Which means, even though you lit the fire in your property and it spread to someone else's property, the Torah is saying, you have to pay as if you lit the fire in his property. But the Torah uses this expression that means, that it has to be as if you mamish lit the fire in his property because it was mamish a clear negligence that you allowed the fire to spread into the other person's property. As long as it wasn't a clear negligence, so that kind of shmita is good enough. Shame when it comes to the teeth, the animal that eats. In someone else's property, the chsiv, the pasuk says, that the animal went and ate in someone else's property. And that's what you're chayef for. 
Until your behavior is like allowing directly this animal to go and eat there. You're, it's mamish your negligence that causes this. Or regel, by, by animal that goes and tramples and, and someone's property. You sent the animal to the other's property. As only, you only chive when you allow your animal to go. It's mamish like you sent the animal there. It's a clear negligence. But otherwise, even a basic shmirah, like we had said over here in the Mishnah, you close the barn or the door and a wind won't open it, a regular wind won't open it, it's good enough. Now, how do we know that these two psukim talk about shame v'regel, as we had already earlier in the Masechta, v'tanya, the Braisa says, v'shilach, zeharegel. When it says in the title v'shilach, it refers to the animal that goes and tramples with its feet. V'cheinu there's a posseg that says, m'shalche regel, hasher v'achamer. So we see that m'shalche refers to the feet of the ox or the donkey. Ubir zehashen, Ubir means that the animal eats with its teeth, as it says, that it eats, and it golol, the golol, that it eats, and then it becomes golol. That's so it refers to the, eat, the, the teeth of the animal eating. Now, the only reason why you're responsible for the damage is because you're negligent, and it's like you're sending it, and you're causing the animal to go and eat with its teeth. But if you didn't, if you weren't negligent, you lock the door, that a regular wind can't come, you're going to be put there. So therefore, this is something that Abmeyer agrees to, because this is a clear drasha. Abmeyer only argued regarding the shirt, by the keren, by tam and mood, by shirt. The Mishnah here also is clear. It shows that this is the right shot, because the Ktani, the Mishnah says, that a person closes the door of the barn on the, on the sheep that he has in the barn. So the question is, why does it talk about sign? Let's see, all the Mishnahis until here is whenever it talks about the damage of an animal, it's always referring to an ox. So over here as well, the Mishnah should say, Why is it talking about sign? Why is it talking about a flock of sheep over here? So don't you think the answer is, like we explained, because over here, what it wants to say is that sign is different than the, than the, uh, than the shire. The dafke by the tzayin, the Torah says that there's only a basic shmir is necessary. What's the difference? Love, don't you think the difference is mishum dekan keren like sivabel? Because over here by the tzayin there is no horns, so there is no halacha of tam and muet. So over here the halacha that you have to do the best shmir possible doesn't apply. The only thing that's possible by the tzayin is the fact that it has teeth and it has feet and it tramples and it eats. And the Kamash Mullah, what the Mishnah is saying is, the shame v'regel, the muad and who, shame v'regel that are muad from the beginning, here the Torah says, v'shilach obir, only if you were negligent, then yuchayev, otherwise, your basic shmir is good enough. Shma no, that's a clear raya that our Mishnah, that's what it's saying here, and it's not only Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, it's even Rabbi Meir's opinion.